Greetings and salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast. And I'm your host, Judo Dave Roman, coming at you with episode 50. Boy, I really can't believe I've made it this far to tell you the truth. I figured I would have just hung it up a long time ago, and I'm maybe sure some of you guys were hoping for that. But no matter, I am here behind this wonderful microphone for episode 50. And I don't know, is that a milestone for me? I'm not quite sure. Usually people celebrate in grandiose styles their 50th birthday. People celebrate their 50th anniversaries if they make it that long in grandiose style. So I don't know if this is a if this is a milestone for me. I'm going to say that it is and I'm very proud of that milestone and I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to keep rolling on this episode of the Judo Chop Suey podcast. And uh, before I continue with anything else, I would like to apologize for missing the uh, my release schedule. I had to work on the weekend that I was scheduled to do my recording. I had a lot of work to get done with my actual job, my real job. And I, I just couldn't find time to do the recording and, and schedule the podcast to be released in a timely manner. I had things that I wanted to cover. So, yeah, I want to cover some really big news in regards to the IJF Hall of Fame. And to my surprise, I didn't even realize there was an IJF Hall of Fame. I think that's really cool. And along that discussion of the IJF Hall of Fame, I want to bring up a discussion. It's one of those silly, typical sports debates. Who would be on the Mount Rushmore of Judo? Now, for those outside of the United States, go look up Mount Rushmore on Google. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I would also like to highlight a very special promotion to do to Judon by the United States Judo Federation. That's a bit of news that I just found out a couple of days ago. Some really big news coming out of Korea ahead of the Kim Jong-un summit uh, with President Trump. I'm not going to get into politics, but there's something related to that that I wanted to discuss that is Judah related. And I also want to get into a throw that I was just practicing the last time I trained with my good friend, Judo Joe Kaiser. And I want to just have a discussion on learning from Sensei YouTube. <laughs> but before I get into all of that, I've got my housekeeping items. For those that are new to this podcast, the housekeeping items is where I typically talk about Anything not related to judo, usually what I'm watching on TV or, or what kind of new shows I've, I've gotten my attention or what movies I've seen lately. Well, for this housekeeping items, I'm not going to talk about anything about, about that. I'm going to actually continue to talk about judo, but it's not going to be specific to judo training. Now, what I want to talk about is a product that I think would be very important to all of us grapplers, whether you're doing judo or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or sambo or or really any sport that involves uh, the, the use of your hands. Well, maybe not any sport, but grappling sports. Now, before I talk about this product, I want to make it absolutely clear that this company is not a sponsor of the podcast. I'm going to do this as a one-time thing because I think what they are selling is is way too important for me to pass over and not mention it to the judo community just because I'm not making a buck off it. I, I actually approached this company about whether or not they'd be interested in, in advertising on the podcast. Um, I kind of got one of those, you know, 
thanks, don't call us, we'll call you, that that type of thing. And that's okay. I, I'm not I'm not offended by that. But I'm only going to mention their product once. I'm not a good businessman, so I probably shouldn't even be doing this because it's not benefiting me. But you know what? It's going to benefit all of you. Guys, there's a product called Graps. G-R-A-P-P-Z. Now, I haven't used this yet. What it is, is this glove that you can wear where instead of taping your fingers, these gloves, you slide on your hands and, you know, you do like the typical Spock Vulcan greeting or whatever. It slides on your hands. It separates your index and middle finger and your ring finger and your pinky finger. And from what I understand, it's supposed to keep those fingers close together as if you tape them. And that's their tagline here. Never tape your fingers again. And from what I've seen on the videos and such, it looks pretty cool. And and like I said, I look, this is this goes beyond me making a, a couple of bucks, you know, on, on an advertising agreement. I think this is very important for judo, sambo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys out there. If you're sick and tired of, of taping your hands uh, to go to practice or to do grip fighting, you might want to check these out. Now, I don't think these are IJF approved, and I can't speak to Sambo or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments. I highly doubt you could wear graps um, at any sanctioned uh, uh, event, whether whatever event is in your country. I just can't imagine you can wear this out there. But for regular training, I think this can be a real finger saver. So their website is is getgraps.com, H-T-T-P-S forward slash forward slash getgraps, G-R-A-P-P-Z.com. And it's only $29.95 for a pair of gloves. Now, I was expecting when I went on the order page, yeah, okay, so I'm going to have to pay, you know, uh, darn near 30 bucks for, for my right hand and 30 bucks for my left hand. No, it's it's 30 bucks for... For both hands. And I I just... That's a tremendous deal. I mean, if I go to a local CVS, I, I think I probably have to pay 8 to 10 bucks for, for just regular tape. You know, and that I mean, yeah, that'll last me several months. And then, you know, when I run out, I got to get it again. But, but, you know, this stuff, you could just... You never have to tape your fingers again, like the ad says. So, check it out. Like I said, uh, this is going to be my only advertisement for them. But I feel like I would be remiss if I did not talk to, about this product uh, for the judo community. I think it's a great product. And yeah, I mean, if, it, if any of you guys order it, let me know how it goes. Let me know what you think if you guys already have it. Yeah, feel free. If you want to let me know, you can send an email to judochopsuishow at gmail.com. You can always follow me on Instagram at judoka. My Instagram is awesome. I've also got a Twitter at judoka. That's not nearly as awesome. And I've also got a Facebook page if you want to search for me on Judo Chop Sui Podcast. You can get to my Facebook page. And if you just want to be friends with me online, you can also search for, I think it's David Roman. I, I don't. I rarely look at my Facebook. But I use it to communicate with people that are part of the Judo Black Belt Association, AU Judo, Freestyle Judo. That's now, I'm on Facebook a lot more now simply because I like to read the latest posts uh, put up by Steve Scott and, and that uh, Judo Black Belt Association. Um, so yeah, if you want to you wanna reach out to me, feel free to do that. Now, speaking of the Judo Black Belt Association, I wanted to make an announcement for anybody in the United States that may be interested. On November 2nd and 3rd, 
Steve Scott at his Welcome Mat Judo Club is going to be hosting a JudoCon. It's called JudoCon. It's a judo conference for all enthusiasts of judo, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, sambo, whatever grappling styles you're interested in. There's going to be a JudoCon to discuss uh, various things about our sports. From what I understand, there'll be discussions on coaching, uh, coaches' education, uh, various clinics on specific throws, clinics on how to run a successful dojo. And from what I understand, there's actually going to be a clinic on leg locks for anybody that's interested. And I also believe that there's going to be Nawaza-specific clinics as well. And for anybody that is a part of the Judo Black Belt Association and AAU Judo, I believe there will be time for anybody that is interested to test for their next rank. Um, they'll, they'll have that opportunity there. So I wanted to bring attention to this because I think this kind of thing is fantastic. Now, I know I've talked about the Judo Black Belt Association before, but ever since I've joined, I've just been really impressed with the organization. Let me let me just say this. And I'm not bashing any of the other organizations. Please, guys, for anybody that's in a leadership position, I'm not bashing anybody or anything. In terms of social media presence, I think the Judo Black Belt Association and, and his is a very vibrant community online. And I don't know if I can really say the same thing about the other three organizations in the United States. When I go to the Facebook page for USA Judo or the USJA or the USJF, it's just not nearly as vibrant. Now, perhaps there are uh, specific discussion pages and forums that I am not aware of for those organizations, but... For Steve Scott's organizations, and it's not just his organization, it belongs to all of us that are members, but for the International Freestyle Judo Alliance and, and the Judo Black Belt Association, you've got people from all over the country, really all over the world, sharing videos, having discussions, talking about training tips. Like It's, it's just a very vibrant online community. It's something that I've, I've always felt has sorely lacked. Uh, in judo, not so much in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, obviously, but definitely in judo. The only other active, you know, place for discussion that I'm aware of online is on Reddit in terms of judo. Now, I know there's other judo forums th that are not in the English language, but I'm talking, I'm specifically talking about people in the English language who speak English and are from English speaking countries. And I'm not trying to alienate anybody. It's just, look, I, I speak English. What can I say? <laughs> But as far as an online community, it's just really vibrant. It's it's fantastic. I know uh, there's another fellow on YouTube who does a great job with with videos. Um, uh, his name is Samson Samson. Uh, he he runs the Judo for All Judo organization, and and I think he does great videos. And of course, uh, Steve Scott is constantly posting videos on his YouTube page. And look, guys, I'm not I'm not telling you all of this just to pump up. The Judo Black Belt Association. I just wanted to share with you guys my impressions of the organization over the past couple of months and wanted to share if anybody's interested in joining uh, this Judo Con. It's in Kansas City, Missouri. Again, it's going to be at uh, Steve Scott's Welcome Mat Training Center. And it's during uh, November 2nd and 3rd. That's a Friday and a Saturday. So I am definitely going. I already have my tickets booked, I already have my hotels reserved. 
And I already got my car reserved. So I am going to be there come hell or high water. And I know some of the people that listen to this podcast uh, uh, will be there as well. So I'm looking forward to meeting uh, all of you people, all you fine folks. And if you're interested in learning more about the JudoCon or about the Judo Black Belt Association, feel free to reach out to Steve Scott. I think um, if you go to www.judoblackbelt.com, all the information will be there. Again, this is not a paid promotion. I just wanted to share that with you all. It's time for my favorite segment of the Judo Chop Suey podcast. What time is it? Listener reaction. I had some nice listener reaction over the past few weeks from, you know, between my email and, and Instagram and such. I wanted to highlight a couple of people. Shout out to Dion out in Australia. Thank you very much. And I got this nice short but sweet email goes as follows. As always, great show. As I was listening to the Ref Money discussion, I couldn't help but think that sometimes you get what you pay for. Yeesh. Boom. Mic drop there. So first off, thank you for your email and and for listening. Now, I don't know if that was directed to USA Judo or some other smaller judo organization. If that was related to the IJF, well, I don't know. I I think the refs on the IJF World Tour are fantastic. I, I really believe that. I, I, I really do. Judo is not easy to referee at all. And I think they get the call right most of the time. And by most of the time, I mean 99% of the time. I, I, I really I really think they do an outstanding job. And and like I touched on on the last episode, I'm shocked. That the refs don't get any sort of compensation. And I got to believe. I got. Gosh. I got to believe that there is some benefit. Whether it's rank. Or prestige. Or something. To being a referee at that level. I, I just. I could not find myself. Even if I didn't have kids. Or if I didn't have any debts. Or a house payment or anything. I couldn't justify spending thousands upon thousands of dollars to travel to different tournaments to be self-funded just to referee. I I couldn't justify it. I mean, yeah, maybe I could do it once or twice a year and I plan on doing that, you know, especially supporting AAU judo, but I certainly couldn't get out to six or seven events a year. And I know some of these referees are doing a lot more than that. And I touched on this on the last episode, and I'll, I'll I'll say it again. If the IJF wants to tout itself as a major sports organization and, and make these claims that they've got, you know, a billion eyeballs watching your product, then you you got to start paying the athletes and and paying all the people involved in in promoting that product some sort of wage. I mean, every other major sports organization. Uh, well, at least the ones that I know of anyway, they pay their officials and they pick, they get paid pretty well. I know NFL referees, they, I, I know they get at least a hundred thousand dollars a year and that's to work, you know, a, a three hour game once a week. Now, granted, I know NFL referees, they have to fill out reports. They've got to do a whole bunch of things. It's probably a 50 hour a week job just outside of officiating the game. But baseball has umpires that they get paid professionally. They get paid pretty well. You know, obviously, basketball. I'm certain soccer uh, uh, officials get paid very well. Basically, even if they don't get paid well, they, they got to get paid something. I, I mean, to be self-funded, I, I mean, that's, that's a big burden. 
I don't know. I I look. I salute anybody that is willing to spend that kind of money to officiate judo or uh, tournaments. And I I am not. Again, I said it in my last episode. I'm saying it again. I am not being critical of anybody that makes a choice to spend money out of their own pocket to volunteer at uh, to be a judo official uh, at at any tournament around the world. I teased an announcement earlier in the episode about a new inductee into the IJF Hall of Fame. Now, let me say right from the get-go, I had no idea the IJF even had a Hall of Fame. I mean, most major sports organizations have their respective Hall of Fames. I mean, heck, even the WWE has a Hall of Fame. But I did not know the IJF had a Hall of Fame, and its newest inductee into the IJF Hall of Fame is Jimmy Pedro. So congratulations to you, Jimmy. I think that's fantastic news. The ceremony is going to take place on um, September 18th in Baku, Azerbaijan. And that's going to coincide with the world championships that is happening in that city. So obviously that's going to be event an event that I'm going to be paying very much attention to. And I'm hoping the ceremony itself will be broadcast on YouTube as the IGF normally broadcasts all of its uh, or most of its events uh, on the world tour. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully they'll hopefully they'll have the uh, the event uh, broadcasted and streamed. I did a little digging on the IGF Hall of Fame and I did manage to find some information. Turns out it was right on the front page of the IGF's website. Oh my goodness. I probably knew about the IJF Hall of Fame, but just completely forgot about it. So what I'm going to do for the benefit of all of you, I'm going to run down real quickly who is in the Hall of Fame. Going in order, uh, Jigoro Kano, Anton Giesing, Charles Palmer, George Kerr, Franco Capaletti, Peter Seisenbacher. Uh, That guy should probably be removed. Kosei Inoue, David Dewey. Uh, Ezio Gamba, Jean-Luc Rogue, uh, Thierry Ray, Patrick Hickey, Robert Van Der Waal, Mohamed Ali Rashwan, Ryoko Tani, Ingrid Bergmans, who just got promoted to Rokudan, if I'm not mistaken. Congratulations to you, Ingrid. Uh, Vladimir Nezreov, Willem Ruska, Aurelio Fernandez Miguel, Hector Rodriguez, Neil Adams, Haruki Omera, Yasuhiro Yamashita, Shota Chokchikshvili, Kidion Dion, uh, Dr. Karen Briggs, Julius Gonzalez Morales, uh, Gela Van de Calle, uh, Soraya Haddad, Maria Pekel. Um, yeah, so that's the IJF Hall of Fame right there. So congratulations to you, Jimmy, for making it on that esteemed list. Now, earlier in the podcast, I talked about. Who would be in my Mount Rushmore of judo legends? And to tell you the truth, uh, because I've been lying this whole time, I'm not sure who I would put on there. Well, obviously, you got to start with Jigoro Kano, right? And listen, by the way, I am thoroughly unqualified to even have this discussion, but this is just for fun. This is typical like barroom type stuff that you have with your buddies sitting around the table or something while drinking a few beers. Like, who's the greatest of all time? So this is going to be my list, completely uneducated. So if you want to slam me, you want to send me what your Mount Rushmore of judo legends are, you can only have four. And really, you can't have a Mount Rushmore of judo legends without Jigoro Kano. So you're really left to picking three. 
in my mind, you cannot have a Mount Rushmore of judo without including Kyuzo Mufune. And for me, on a personal note, when it comes to the, another person that I would have put on there, it would be Tokyo Hirano. I, I just, in terms of a Mount Rushmore of judo, I, you just, you can't leave those three names off, at least in my opinion anyway. So that really leaves one spot. And sorry, Jimmy, you're not it. And I'm not really sure who I'd put up there. I mean, I, I've got three judo legends, but don't I have to have a competitor up there? Do I dare put Teddy Renner up on that list? I know there are many out there even th throwing up at the idea of putting Teddy Renner on the Mount Rushmore of judo, but who else would I put up there? I could put Yamashita up there. I could put Neil Adams up there for his continued uh, continued contributions to judo. I, I, I think I'd be okay with Renner or Neil Adams up there. Gosh, who would I put up there? Who is the fourth guy? I, I just don't know. That's such a tough call. I think for me, the other three are a lock. I don't know. The safe pick is Yamashita, in my opinion. The more controversial one, who is also equally as deserving, would be Teddy Renner. And to be absolutely clear, I only say it's controversial because there's many people out there that don't think very highly of Teddy Renner's judo ability, if you can believe that. And I also guess the controversy could come down to the question of can a great athlete also not be a great judoka? I mean, personally, I am in no position to be critical of really anybody's judo, especially anybody's on the IJF's world tour. But truthfully, sometimes I wonder how good Renner would be if he was competing in, in the under 66 kilo division. I Look, I think the best today in any across any division is Hifumi Abe right now. I think he is the best on the tour. And I think he's got the best judo. I think he's got the best technique. So I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't think it's fair to knock a big guy for being big and, and strong and dominant, physically dominant. Does he have better judo than Yamashita in his prime? I, I, I don't know. I, I can't really make that call. I'm sure some of you older gentlemen uh, and ladies and gentlemen out there that watch both of them fight could, could make a better argument than I could. Going back to that fourth person on the Mount Rushmore, one could easily put Ryoko Tani up there as well, I mean, without, without question. But I, gosh, I don't know who's going to be that fourth one. I'm going to play it safe and say it's Dr. Roddy Ferguson. Now, moving along, I would like to highlight a very special promotion. And I just found out this bit of news just a few days ago. And, and to be honest, I am not very familiar with this person. But look, anybody that gets promoted to Judon by any judo organization, it is worth taking a moment of uh, uh, taking a, a moment to pause and, and give that person recognition for a lifetime of accomplishment. The United States Judo Federation has recently promoted Haruro Imamura to the rank of Judon. Now, from what information I have gathered, Imamura Sensei has been the head sensei of Fresno Judo Club out in Fresno, California. I'm only making that distinction because there could be other Fresnos in the country. And he's had a tremendous judo career. He was the team captain for the Tenri University uh, Judo Club in in. In Japan, where his team won the All Japan University National Championships in 1956. While attending university, he 
managed to become an exchange student and made his way to Fresno, California, which is uh, evidently where he laid his roots down and has, and has been a fixture in that judo community for decades. And to be clear, not just the community, but for the entire country as well. I mean, he was one of the U.S. Uh, national judo coaches in the 80s and 90s. He probably went to a couple of Olympics. And from what I understand, he's really been a key figure in Japanese and American relations within judo. Now, look, guys, I mean, I could, I'm just glossing over some of his accomplishments here. If you want to have the full story, you could you could visit Fresno Judo's website, fresnojudo.org, and take a look at the biography section of, the, of uh, Imamura Sensei. So once again, congratulations to you. Very well-deserved honor. And it is the USJF's second promotion to Judon. So they don't, they don't give out that rank uh, very lightly. And, and that makes sense because when I think of all the judo organizations, the three major ones in the United States, I've always had the impression that the USJF tends to promote it uh, or protect their ranks uh, uh, with a lot more scrutiny than perhaps the other organizations. Again, that's just an observation based on nothing. That's just my impression. Maybe that's not true at all, but that's just my impression. I want to talk about a little bit of training that I've been doing over the past, uh, well, not just the past couple weeks, but for a while now. I've made it known that I've been practicing my Nage no Kata, which is something that I really haven't dedicated much time to prior to the past uh, month or so. And I am trying to explore throws that I really never even touched, to be honest with you. And one of those throws is Yoko Wakari. The last time I did some training with Judo Joe, who is not only is he going to appear on the podcast soon, but he's going to tell us all about the training camp that he was at over in Mexico, in Quintana Roo. For those of you following him on Instagram, you can see all the pictures that he's been posting. They're, they're excellent. But Joe has been a great training partner for me. And he's he's close to my size. He's a little bit bigger. He's a little bit stronger or, or taller. Well, he's probably stronger too. But he's definitely a little bit taller. <laughs> and most importantly, when it comes to having a training partner, he's somebody I trust. And I can't say the same for everybody, especially, uh, well, certainly especially beginners. But I can't say the same thing for every single showdown that I've ever trained with. There, there, are, there have been people that I've come across that I don't trust. I don't trust them throwing me. I don't trust trying new techniques with them. It's just you it just sometimes, you know, if you're trying to learn something, sometimes you just really need to work with people that you trust so that you don't get injured or hurt or they do something unexpected. And, you know, it's not that way with most people that are advanced rank, but but certainly sometimes you come across people that you just know they're just not good training partners. But Joe is not one of those people. Joe understands the kind of throws that I'm looking to do. He understands what my field, what kind of field that I'm looking for. He understands how to be a good uke for me. So probably a, about a week or so ago, Joe and I worked on Yoko Wakari. Well, first off, we we had our, our no-gi judo session, which was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. And, and again, um, 
I'm enjoying doing no gi more and more. I, I think it's really improving my judo. It's improving my feel. And and I think it's going to be beneficial for me long term. So we were practicing Yoko Wakari, the different ways to do it in no gi. And we were practicing the traditional way in the gi. Now, to be clear about this, I have literally not had one single formal lesson on Yoko Wakari. I learned the finer points of Yoko Wakari from Sensei YouTube. <laughs> and what I mean by Sensei YouTube is basically learning techniques and such from various YouTube videos on the web. Now, I think having the lesson on doing Yoko Wakari from a from a two-on-one grip uh, prior to doing it from a traditional sleeve lapel grip with the gi on, because because while I was practicing it with no gi, I think that did help a lot with my footwork and such, and how and how the throw is supposed to feel. But ultimately, it is different in the gi. And when I attempted to do the throw, I nailed it on my first try. Literally, the very first try I ever practiced with the try with that throw, I, I nailed it. At least in my opinion, I did. It, it certainly felt right. What I mean by feeling right, if what a throw should feel like, and Joe said that it felt right going over, and and that was that. Now, prior to practicing this with Joe, I told him, "Look, I'm going to do a few practice entries before I execute the actual throw." And I told him, "Hey, you know, whatever you do, make sure you protect yourself because I don't think I'm going to flub this throw. But just in case something gets all squirrely, make sure you're protecting yourself." And I think. That's really an important thing, obviously, that if you're taking throws for somebody, you got to learn how to protect yourself. Now, earlier in that class, in the no-gi portion of it anyway, there were a couple of other guys that were practicing. And look, you guys happen to be listening. I'm not calling you out. I'm just using what happened as an example of not only what happens when two inexperienced people practice new techniques, but if neither of the people know how to protect themselves while taking falls. It, it, one fellow, unfortunately, and it's nobody's really fault. It just, the way that the, his training partner went in for the throw, it was just, it was a little bit awkward. And sometimes you just don't know how to take those falls if you were a beginner. And he ended up kind of landing on the back of his head in an odd way. And I'm sure he probably had uh, a very sore neck for the following couple of days. He he toughed it out like a trooper and finished the class just fine. I mean, he wasn't in pain, but but I know he, even at his his younger age, he'll he'll feel that for the next couple of days, or he was going to anyway. So where was I going with that? Oh yeah, so I told Joe, look, make sure you protect yourself. I'm sure you'll be fine, but God forbid I screw this up. But I didn't. The throw went well, and it just made me reflect a little bit that. At my level and at my experience, or I should say at my experience level, learning new techniques from YouTube, things that I've never done before in terms of throws, can be a very valuable tool for me, especially if I want to develop in judo in a way that I simply can't at my current club. And I don't mean that critically, it's just I'm an assistant at that club and you know, I'm not going to be teaching the kids Yoko Wakari. That's just not going to happen. And I think it was the first time that I went to YouTube to learn a throw that I've never been taught. It's one thing to look at YouTube videos to practice 
grip fighting strategies or or maybe a a certain sweep from guard or or maybe a a, a way to get an arm bar I think it's pretty safe to watch videos and and try some of that stuff but I just think with throws it's very different for example if a white belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu wanted to try some kind of sweep to to arm bar on me I would have no problem with that at all but if a white belt in judo or, or heck, or even even somebody with a little more experience, like somebody like a Yankyu or a Sankyu, wanted to try some throw that he's never done before that he saw on YouTube, I'd probably be very leery about letting that person try it. I, I just, there's just no way. But for somebody that is experienced, that wants to try something new and, and wants to try a different entry, perhaps to a technique they already know or try something else new entirely, I mean... I'm finding that that YouTube has become a tremendous resource for me. And I know for, I'm sure for many of you, I'm just stating the obvious. But look, I'm trying to get better at Nage no Kata. And right now, I don't got anybody to go to to learn it. And even if I did, you know, I got to find, f- figure out scheduling and figure out time and, and, and this and that. And look, you know, like I already said way earlier in the, in the episode, that I had to work last weekend. You know, there's sometimes that I have to work on the weekends or my, my I have to work late at work and and my time is limited. So when I have to I have to make opportunities to do things and to learn things that I don't know how to do quite well. And if I visit a club, I'm not gonna sit there and say, Hey, teach me Yoko Wakari. Especially when the instructor has an agenda of their own. I'm not gonna do that. So I'm gonna have to find training partners and, and be like, hey, take the fall from me on this. It's going to happen. It's going to work this way. I'm going to do this. You're going to go this direction. Just make sure you tuck your head and slap out and, and be safe. Now, for example, take a throw like Ukiwaza. Again, that's another throw I have literally never done in my life. I mean, when I look at it, it looks like a throw that I can do. And if I can find an instructional on YouTube, you better believe that I'm going to you know, watch that over and over, pause it, see where the instructor's hands are, see where the instructor's leg placement is, see what direction uh, he or she is looking when executing the throw, have a good understanding of where Uke is supposed to go and how Uke is supposed to land. You know, I guess ultimately whether this is a good thing or whether it's a bad thing, I'm at the point in my own life where I have to take hold of my own judo development. And I am now responsible for my own judo development. I don't really have anyone saying to me, okay, you need to learn these techniques in order to progress to the next rank. You need to be able to do this. You need to be able to do that. I don't have anybody currently saying anything like that. So now it's on me. And if I want to get better at judo, it's <laughs> apart from just practicing and doing rondori and things like that, if I want to develop in a way that I want to, develop I I gotta take the bull by the horns and do it by myself and grab as many training partners as I can and do what I can I mean think of it 12 years in judo not one formal lesson in Yoko Wakari and I'm not getting any younger so look like I said it's on it's on me to learn the techniques that I need that I need to learn for my own progress and to be able to teach in the future which I would like to do one day 
But if I leave it up to the way things are, I might wait another 15 years or 12 years to learn Ukiwaza. And I'm not, I'm not going to allow that to happen anymore. There's a bit of historical news that I wanted to cover. Now, by the time this episode releases, President Trump would have had his summit with Kim Jong-un of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, otherwise known as North Korea. Which, regardless of your political persuasions, you got to admit that that's a pretty significant event in U.S. history, for sure, and, and world history at that, for that matter. But as I said before, this episode is not going to be about the politics of the United States and North Korea. This is going to be about judo, and what I wanted to talk about is a judo-related news bit, uh, somewhat related to this summit, not directly related, but I came across an article on the IJF written by a Mr. Mark Pickering, and it's headlined, Unified Korean Judo Team to Make History at East Asian Championships. Now, here's the article. Judo is set to unite the Republic of Korea and the Democratic People's Republic of Korea under one flag for the first time in a summer sport as a unified team will make history by competing at the East Asian Championships in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia this weekend. And by this weekend, they're talking about the weekend of June 9th and 10th. IJF President Marius Weiser held a joint, mis- uh, joint meeting with Mr. Pak Hak-yong, uh, Democratic People's Republic of Korea Judo General Secretary, and Mr. Cho Yong-chul, Korean Judo Association Vice President, on the occasion of the Hohat Grand Prix in May to discuss a unified team being formed for the World Judo Championships 2018 in Baku, Azerbaijan this September. These talks paved the way for the two neighbors to agree to link up this weekend and negotiations for both sides to join up in Baku are still on course. The East Asian Championships Organizing Committee met in the State House on Wednesday to finalize their plans for the event and revealed that over 200 judoka will compete and, and announced that the Republic of Korea and the Democratic People's Republic of Korea will unite under the same flag for the men's and women's team event on Sunday. And that's five judoka per team. The unified Korean team will compete alongside China, Chinese Taipei, Hong Kong, Japan, and Mongolia and will use Arirang, a Korean folk song, as their anthem. Korea's unified flag will adorn the judogi of their athletes. Mr. Baltuga Kaltma, president of the Republic of Mongolia and of the Mongolian Judo Association, will open the competition on Saturday. Now, look, I think that's really fantastic stuff. And and I've, I have been com- uh, critical of the IGF's relationship with the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. I know last year they were going to hold uh, the Youth World Championships in Pyongyang, I believe. I can't remember if it was Pyongyang or another city in North Korea, but... At the time, with the global tensions regarding North Korea, I really thought it was a terrible idea. And I'll just say this, going back to the meeting between President Trump and Kim Jong-un, I'm really stunned that we're at this point just a year later. I, it, this is just just stunning to me. It's, it's, it's really amazing. I'm, I, I, I don't know what to say in regards to that because it's just an event that I just never believed would happen. 
but it has happening and that's making uh that's reverberating throughout different areas of our global community including our our small global community in in uh in judo and i just i just think that's a great thing i i think it's great for for the for both sides of, of north and south korea and i really hope that all parties involved can can work toward a peaceful resolution and I just really think that'll benefit the people of North Korea over the long term. And and again, I, I'm I'm just really happy to see this happening in my lifetime. And it gives me hope. It gives me hope that if this can happen between the United States, North Korea, and South Korea, that this can happen between the United States, Israel, and Palestine working toward a stabilization in the Middle East, and that affecting judo competitions in that region so that countries like Israel can still represent their country with their flag and their anthem playing. And look, if Kim Jong-un of all people can make an example and step up to the table and negotiate properly, then perhaps the officials at the United Arab Emirates Judo Federation can make concessions and allow Israel to fly their flag and play their national anthem when they stand up on the podium. Now, I know officials from the United Arab Emirates apologized for what happened over that weekend last year. And I can only hope that that's just the start uh, of that icy relationship thawing uh, for, the, for the benefit of everybody at, at these tournaments moving forward. All right, I think that's going to do it for me today. Once again, I'd like to apologize for the delay in getting this episode out again work, all that kind of stuff, working on weekends. And then not only that, but mowing the lawn and doing a whole bunch of yard work and and just my regular life as a whole with all my kids and such. And and speaking of kids, I would like to give a special shout out to my son who was very helpful with me this weekend. I've told you guys before, I mentioned it earlier, that I'm working on Nage no Kata and I wanted to get some work in over the weekend, and I was really desperate. I didn't want to drive all the way out to meet up. Actually, Joe is out of town anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I wanted to practice certain throws in Nage no Kata, but I didn't have a training partner, so I decided to use my son, who does not do judo at all. But he was very willing to help me. I Look, I, I, told, the, I told both my boys, I said, look, you know, I'm... I'm trying to get better at this, but I don't really have training partners. It would be it would mean a whole heck of a lot to me if if you guys would be willing to help me over the weekend and and in the oncoming weekends and such. And 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 they were willing. And you know, I, I didn't force them. I asked and they said that they were willing and I brought one of my sons to to the club and and we worked on uh certain things for an hour. He took falls and I look I used a crash pack and like I said, he doesn't do judo. But he does know how, the basics of, of Ukemi. Enough that he can be thrown on a crash pad and not get hurt. And it was a little awkward only because he doesn't know how to move in a judo way. But I remember reading a blog post or, or hearing Travis Stevens. I can't remember if I read it or I heard, or heard it in a video. That Travis Stevens once prepared for a tournament using some six-month white belt because that was all he had. So he, he I don't, I mean, he didn't go into details on how this this uh, newbie 
helped him out, prepare for a tournament. But his overall point was that you have to make do with what you have. And Travis did it. And I figured, hey, if it's good enough for Travis, it's it's good enough for me to try and improve my own judo. And I know there's some people out there that would say, well, a white belt is just a uh, a throwing dummy, so it's okay. And <laughs> in some regards, that's kind of true. But but honestly, I was taking good care of my son, and he was very helpful. He was very receptive to instructions, and he did the best that he could. Now, I know when practicing th- certain throws with Nagi no Kata, a lot of it depends on Uke and his or her ability to be a good Uke. And while there may have been a couple of rough spots, overall, he he did the job admir- admir- admirably. Excuse me. So I am very grateful f- to him. I posted uh, the video of me practicing one of the throws on my Instagram, which is at La Vida Judoka. I've said it before. My Instagram's awesome. So yeah, so again, son, I know you're not going to listen to this, but thank you very much. I'll never forget it. Honestly, I'll, I'll never forget it. it. It means a lot to spend any time of any quality time on the mats with my son. And um, it's just great. Just one of those father-son things that I'll never forget. And and it's important to create those type of memories. And I do all the time. Don't get me wrong. But it's extra special when one of my sons does something out of their element to spend time with me rather than me doing something out of my element to spend time with them. It, which, again, I've said before many times, I don't force my kids to do judo. I never have. If they're interested in it, they can. If they're not, they don't have to come. So, again, I'm very grateful. So with that, I think I'm going to wrap things up here. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great rest of the week. Train hard. Stay safe out there. And until next time, I'm out. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style.